NPR News Radio, with news, talk, and entertainment from around the world and around the web. With your host, Christopher Simmons. For our first show during October 2005, we have several interesting news items from the Send2Press.com Newswire, as well as a live chat with sculptor Daniel Edwards, who recently held a controversial art showing in New York. The musical guest this time out is myself, in a shameless plug for my own music CD, Berserker. We'll hear two tracks from this album that was originally released in the mid-1980s. In brief this week, we found the following stories of interest. For seniors who are reluctant to use computers, a new product by Collego Corporation called Magnify Out Loud uses two approaches to making a PC easier to use. Magnify Out Loud overcomes that reluctance and enables users to not only magnify the screen, but also hear what the screen is displaying in emails, websites, and programs. According to the company, there is no software learning curve as the product uses simple functions built into a keyboard, like a sliding bar to zoom text and keystrokes to hear the text. The company also makes other applications that assist those with vision impairment, including an ebook builder tool for authors who cannot use normal word processors. For more information, visit www.colligo.us. That's C O L L I G O. A new magazine from nonprofit Rest Ministries Inc. called Hope Keepers has been launched to help offer spiritual support for the one in three Americans who live with chronic illness. Quote, there are many health magazines, unquote, says Lisa Copen, founder and editor-in-chief of Hope Keepers. Quote, but for those who may live for decades with a chronic illness, there are few resources, especially Christian ones, that address the roller coaster of emotions they experience and the practicalities they need to live effectively with disease, unquote. Hope Keepers, subtitled Joyfully Serving the Chronically Ill, is Christian in nature and addresses diverse topics such as spiritual struggles, family challenges, alternative medicine, and caregiving. To learn more, visit hopekeepersmagazine.com. A new book from Indie Tech Publishing called Reggie Miller, Shooting Star, chronicled Miller's 18-year NBA career with a chapter devoted to each season. Full of statistics, team rosters, accomplishments, and fan-focused text, it also contains an eight-page color photo insert of some of Reggie Miller's most famous moments. Reggie Miller won the hearts and minds of Indiana Pacer fans for 18 years and has become one of the most popular players in NBA history. According to the publisher, the staff at Inditech Publishing is dedicated to publishing statistical sports books that become keepsakes. Inditech is a unit of Sam's Technical Publishing. The book's ISBN number is 0-7906-1318-2 and can be found at all major booksellers. For more information, visit samswebsite.com. For more information on these and other business, technology, and entertainment news stories, visit send2press.com forward slash newswire. Our guest for this show is sculptor Daniel Edwards, who recently held a controversial exhibition at New York's First Street Gallery that made the front page of the New York Times art section and raised the eyebrows of sports fans. His show, which ran during September 2005, 
was called the Ted Williams Memorial Display with Death Mask from the Ben Affleck 2004 World Series Collection. The main element of the exhibit was Edward's sculpture of a death mask of baseball great Ted Williams depicting Williams as he now exists in a cryonic slumber. Williams' actual head is stored in a metal container filled with liquid nitrogen in Scottsdale, Arizona's Alcor Life Extension Foundation, which claims to be the most advanced cryonics service in the world. Dan gained some notoriety for the exhibit because some mistakenly believed the death mask was a casting from the actual frozen head of Ted Williams. Dan is a classically trained sculptor from New York's Graduate School of the Figurative Arts, and his notable public sculpture work includes the Martin Luther King and Robert Kennedy Memorial in Indianapolis, of which groundbreaking ceremonies were performed by President Clinton and Senator Ted Kennedy. He also has works in the permanent collections of the National Art Museum of Sport in Indianapolis, the Las Vegas Art Museum, and the Indiana State House. He's also the former chair of faculty at the Lyme Academy College of Fine Art. Hi, Dan. Welcome to our show. Hi, Chris. Thank you. First, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, what started you on the road to art and sculpture, and uh, you know your whole feel about artistic expression. Well, I was lucky uh, when I was a child. I had uh, a lot of encouragement, particularly from my mom and my uncle, who at the time was living with us briefly and was a very talented artist, uh, one of the most talented men I know. And so I got a lot of encouragement there. Um, and then in high school, I worked for a local sculptor all through high school. He's one of the most well-known uh, mask makers in the world, I guess you could say. And uh, I spent maybe three or four years working for him and then uh, decided I would go into fine art uh, sculpture and ended up teaching for a long time and doing a lot of public sculpture as a result. Great. Well, one of your more notable exhibitions uh, is the recent display at the First Street Gallery in New York, which uh, included a bust of baseball legend Ted Williams. Uh, you referred to this in your um, materials that you would use to market the show as Williams' death mask, uh, which apparently raised some controversy over the source of your inspiration, and Alcor actually issued a press statement that you did not do a live cast of Williams' head, which they have in cold storage. Tell us about that show, uh, the art that you did for it, uh, why you chose Williams as your subject matter. Well, actually, I, I spent a lot of time um, noticing that uh, TV shows, uh, The Severed Head was a very popular subject for TV shows for at right. least the last five years. And I wrote a long, long essay about it while I was still teaching. And I would lecture my class about these things, you know, about pop culture. And so I thought my next exhibit would be about the severed head. And uh, as soon as that Ted Williams story broke a few years ago in Sports Illustrated, I've been absolutely intrigued with it, and um, particularly the severed head component. Um, and so I, I'd always wanted to do a sculpture about that, and this, of course, was the perfect time for it. So uh, uh, I'm a portrait sculptor. Um, that's what I'm most known for. So it was a perfect marriage of uh, the two interests, um, horror and portraiture, and sports, I guess you'd say, because um, I've always been a big baseball fan and a Ted Williams fan as well. Well, I wanted to get back to Alcor. I know you asked about their releasing. I could go back to that briefly. Yeah. That's all right. Okay. Um, well, I wanted to uh, include 
I really wanted to include Alcor's involvement in the piece. It was that was what brought me to it was the fact that he was stored there in Alcor, and so I had to make it. I think it was integral that they were. Uh, it was insinuated that they were part of. You know that they helped me produce this piece, and um, just at least get people's curiosity involved, you know, the possibility that that could happen, because certainly it is a possibility, and um, the rest is history, I guess you could say. Well, what kind of uh, feedback did you get from uh, the media and from uh, people in general after they saw the, uh, the exhibition? Uh, after they saw the exhibition, I guess a lot of people, seeing what's the difference, reading about it, uh, it seemed really bad. The worst thing a person could do to another person is represent them that way. Uh, but people actually saw it. They saw that there was a lot of care in the portrait, and it, it was hyped up verbally more than it actually appeared. Although the juxtaposition of the piece, everything was implying that it was a severed head. So that was actually there, I mean, but the, the actual cast, the sculpture, I think was not as graphic as people might have thought it would be. It didn't look like somebody cut his head off with an axe. Right, you didn't have dripping blood and exactly. a jagged edge and a chainsaw sitting there on the table. That's exactly right. Well, you got some pretty good coverage, like in, uh, I believe, New York Times and a lot of uh, like uh, news agencies covered this. Yeah. Uh, and you, of course, got some feedback from uh, Alcor on it. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, it was, it's, it's been amazing. It's tremendous. Um, when I was making the piece, you know, I think it's important to know who your audience is whenever you create anything. And basically, I'd reached my whole audience. Uh, Sports Illustrated carried a little piece. Uh, Sporting News did. Uh, National Review even uh, put something in their magazine about it. Um, it's on the uh, MSNBC, Fox Sports. It was it, the, the the talk shows. I guess the sports talk shows chimed in on it. And so I did reach my audience, my intended audience, and um, that was a pretty amazing uh, feeling to know that um, an idea could go where you intended it to go. Well, that's a pretty successful, you know, foray into promoting your art. I yeah. think most artists would be, uh, you know, just blown away by having any sort of uh, coverage or uh, interest in what they're doing, and they certainly, I think, blew blew this out, blew this out of the water. It just really went everywhere. Um, you did get some feedback from Alcor. Uh, how did that turn out? Uh, that was, wow! I hoped for it. It was unexpected. I mean, they immediately came out with something. And um, personally, I, I I was reading between the lines. What I got from it was um, they could have been really angry, and I would have gotten a sense of that, or they could have been. My sense was that they didn't, they weren't angry, and that the press wasn't going to be hurtful to them. And so I responded to that. I I knew at that point I shouldn't I shouldn't pour it on any thicker than I had. But uh, it, I, would pre I appreciated their um, uh, responding to it. That's for now, sure. have you actually gone there to see... Uh... No, I regret, because I had considered it over the summer. 
and I regret not having been able to say that I had visited. Now, do you think they'll let you in at this point? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I've received a few emails from them. I know they'd let me in. Now, uh, have you researched whether they have any other uh, famous celebrity parts? <laughs> well, they sent me a promotional package, and there are a few people that have consented to let their names be heard as who's uh, you know, being stored there. But uh, a lot of people are, um, it's confidential. Right. But uh, they, they boast of having a, an Emmy Award-winning uh, TV writer. Well, it's funny because when I first heard about the story, my first thought was, of course, um, you know, someone that's obviously uh, inspired the Futurama uh, right. thing where you have the, the heads from the, the past that are all animated in the future. And uh, it's the reason that it always made me think that, uh, you know, here's Ted Williams uh, in the 25th century uh, in a jar talking about his baseball days. And uh, That's a bizarre concept, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So it is true. I mean, uh, I, I, I'm into, you know, a lot of different kinds of uh, TV and movies. I recently watched uh, the uh, third uh, season of Millennium. Uh, oh, you're right. TV yes. series. And uh, funny, the episode I just watched the other night, it was about this girl that chops the head off of people. And <laughs> there she really... is, you know, at the end of the episode, kissing the severed head of her boyfriend. Oh. And it's, you're right. There's just a, uh, you know, we, of course, the famous reanimator <laughs> yes. director's cut, which we won't go into uh, right. for the squeamish, but uh, you know the whole severed head thing is, is just a, a fascination. I think it's the idea of the the personality being so embodied in the head of of a person, yeah, I and agree. that the uh, you know it's almost like that that part of it when you take it away from the body has some special properties. Yeah, and uh, well, what's next for your uh, your, your career here in the sculpting uh, exhibition art world, any more controversial subjects uh, that oh, you're yeah. working on it's, it's that you can talk about? Yeah, I've got a long list of uh, pieces, uh, but what all I can say is they won't be, um, they will be more in, along the lines of social commentary, I would say. This eminent domain, which is really a big story here in Connecticut, not too far from me, um, where private uh, business can take over, you know, residence. Right. Um, that's something that I'm going to be working, doing a piece about that I think will have a tinge of controversy attached, but it won't <laughs> be like the Ted Williams. Piece. It won't be like severed houses on wheels, you know. <laughs> uh, no, but it's, <laughs> if I told you, I think you'd be, it's pretty similar to this, and it's got a graphic component that works the same way. Well, do you have a, a website or some way that people can keep track of what you're up to, or is it just through the First Street Gallery? Or uh... Right now it's through the First Street Gallery, but I'll have to probably put up a website pretty soon. I'm certain that'll happen within the next month or so. Great. Well, thanks for visiting with us. Uh, is there anything else you'd like uh, the people listening to know about you? Uh, not that I can think of, but I appreciate your time. Great. Well, thanks for visiting with us. Thanks, Chris. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Thanks to Dan for chatting with us. You can see some of Dan's work online at firststreetgallery.net and firststreetgallery.net forward slash edwards.html.
In our new music feature for this show, we're shamelessly plugging my own past musical work. You'll hear two tracks from my CD called Berserker. That's Berserker intentionally misspelled from the historical Berserker, meaning there's no R after the first E, which came out on commercial cassette in 1985 and was widely played on radio and reviewed in places like Electronic Musician Magazine. These tracks were created during the off time while not rehearsing for a band I was in at the time called Pets Gone Wild, which is still around today at PetsGoneWild.com, and were somewhat stream of consciousness in the sense that I typically had one entire day to create each song, and they were mixed as is, so there wasn't much opportunity to go back and remix or refine anything. This gave the tracks a very live, almost jazz feel, in some cases, while also fitting the somewhat clock-driven beat of electronic-style music. My influence is very wildly, but the songs on Berserker were likely inspired by Tangerine Dream, Howard Jones, Jan Hammer, and Vangelis. The first track you'll hear is about two minutes from a song called Bonsai Romance, which is an attempt to throw everything into a song sonically as possible. Second, you'll hear a little from the title track, Berserker Dark Village.
You can learn more about this CD at ChristopherSimmons.com and also at CDBaby.com forward slash Simmons C. The tracks from the CD are also available at the iTunes Music Store if you search for Christopher Simmons and then Berserker. Look for my new CD coming next spring, 2006. That's our show for this week. Remember, you can always find the latest edition of this show at prnewsradio.com or at send2press.com forward slash podcast. You can also subscribe via iTunes by searching for Send2Press Newswire. PR News Radio is a service of Neotrope. It's copyright 2005. Learn more about us at prnewsradio.com.